So, uh, all right. So here we go. This week's Parsha is Parshas Vayera. Vayera. Okay. So Hashem is appearing to Avram. Interesting, if you just look at the order of the first words, it says, Vayera Elav Hashem, and Hashem appeared to him. Usually it would say, Vayera Hashem Elav. Usually the one who appears is listed first. Vayera Hashem, Hashem appeared, a love to him. It changes it to Vayera, a love. He appeared to him, Hashem. So the Mepharshim explained, the commentators explained, that whenever you find a love, the person who's being appeared to before the name of Hashem, this means that the person was the cause of the conversation. Usually, it's Hashem's coming, because Hashem is a message to bestow upon the person, a conversation to have. So therefore it will say, Vayera Hashem, Hashem appeared, because you wanted to appear, a love to him. But since over here it was Avram's greatness on the third day after having a brismila, that's the cause of Hashem's appearance, so therefore it says, Avram, it's referring to Avram, a love, him, before the name of Hashem. Be'iloni Mamre, in the plains of Mamre. So Hashem appeared to him in the plains of Mamre. And Avram is sitting at the entrance of the tent in the heat of the day. Now, why is he? Why does he need to tell us that he appeared the Elone Mamre that Hashem appeared to Avram in the plains of Mamre? So the Medrash tells us because Mamre was the one who gave the advice for Avram Avinu to do the bris milah. Mamre advised Avram to do the bris milah. What's going on over here? Hashem comes to Avram and he says, do a bris milah. Mamre is advising Avram to do it. This is a fascinating medrash. It's wild. The medrash says that after Hashem um, uh, told Avram, do a bris milah, so Avram had three ayhavim, three beloved friends. Oner, Eshkol, and Mamre. Oner, Eshkol, and Mamre. Three good buddies of Avram Avinu. They were a chevra four. Yeah? They, little, little click over there. To, to you know, to follow the ways of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Yeah, they were, and the a different medrash calls them all tzaddikim, sitting gemurim. They actually, the four of them. One of the reasons why Kiryat Arba is called Kiryat Arba, the city of four. So there's a few reasons given, right? Our patriarchs are buried there. Yeah. One of the reasons given is because the four tzaddikim that did a bris milah, Oner, Eshkol, Mamre, and Avram. Okay, but now this is what the medrash says. Medrash says Hashem tells Avram to go do a bris milah. Avram goes to Oner. And he says, Oner, God's telling me to do a bris milah. What should I do? And Oner says, Avram Avinu. He says, Avram, listen. If you do a bris milah, all of the kings that you just defeated are going to come after you. Because they know you're going to be in a state of physical weakness. You're sick. And uh, you'll lose your life. And then he goes to, Avram says, okay, thank you. He then goes to Eshkol. And he says, Eshkol, Hashkadosh Baruch Hu instructed me to do a bris milah. What's going on? And Eshkol says, um, you should know that at your age, the uh, blood clotting abilities of blood is much weaker, and you might bleed to death. And he went to Mamre, and he says, Mamre, what do I do? And Mamre says... God said, do it, do it. Okay? A lot of questions on this. A lot of questions. These are three Ayavim. They're all Tzadikim. Goes to Anir. Anir's like, eh, 
I'm just letting you know, if you do it, <laughs> right, they're going to kill you. Ashkel's like, yeah, hey, you'll probably bleed to death. And Mom isn't. So a whole bunch of questions, including, were they really tzaddikim? Are they advising him against it? And um, they are tzaddikim. So w- w- what's happening over here? So the, the answer given is that actually all three of them were advising Avram to do the brismila. What Av- and Avram Avinu had no questions about whether to do it. What Amravina wanted to know was as follows. He had already given up his entire physical existence to HaKadosh Baruch Hu previously. Thrown in a furnace, battle, you name it. And now God's coming to him and he's like, hey, I want you to cut off a piece of skin. So Amravina is going to his friends and he's saying, guys, Chavra, what's the Nisayon? What's the test? What's the test? What, what, what? I'm doing it. That's not, that wasn't the Shiloh. That wasn't the question. His question was, what's my avoda? What's my service now? So Anir says, your service is to serve Hashem, you know, even though you'll probably get killed. And Amravina didn't like that. Because I was like, I already did that. That's not an additional nesoyon. There's got to be something else that God's desiring from me. And he wanted to have in mind the avoda at the time of his mitzvah. So he goes to Eshkol, and Eshkol says, you know, you, you, know you, might, you might end up dying, you might end up bleeding, maybe that's the Avayda. And again, I was like, listen, I've been in a furnace. And so you, you, you guys are, Eshkolich, I appreciate it, but there's, there's no Chiddush, there's no novel idea that you're coming. He goes to Mamre. And Mamre says, Avram, I'll tell you what Hashem wants from you, to stop thinking and do a brismila. Meaning, what he's, Mamre is sharing with Avram Avinu is, there's different times and places, not to just be blind, but there's different times and places where there's Baruch who wants something different from us. And sometimes we understand exactly what we're going through and why we're going through it and what the Nisayun is and how it's going to drive me closer to the Rabbi Shalom. And Mamri says, you know what you have to instill in yourself and all your future generations? That if God says something, you just go do it. Figure it out afterwards. If God says something, go do it. And then it was after that conversation where Avravina went and he had his bris milah. He had his bris milah. And this is why the Pasuk says Hashem appeared to Avram in the plains of Mamre because bris milah, which its ultimate goal is to bring revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is that's really the, that, that it was the advice of Mamre that he got it right that brought him the schos, brought him the merit that this conversation should happen, in, uh, should happen in, in his territory, in his domain. And Avram is sitting at the entrance of his tent, kechom hayom, in the heat of the day. Okay, what does it mean, kechom hayom? So listen to this Rashi. Rashi says, what do you mean in the heat of the day? Avram was sitting there because Liros, he wants to see over if there are those passing by, vishav and returning, and he could bring them into his home. What does it mean? The heat of the day? God took the sun out of its shell to make it an exceedingly hot day, so that Armin wouldn't be bothered with guests. Type of day, people stay home. People aren't out and about, so it's the third day after Brismila, he's very weak. And it's incredibly hot. Nobody's outside except for who? Except for Avram Avinu, who's like, hey, why is nobody coming over? What's happening? I'm so used to having, uh, having people come by. Until ultimately, Kaddish Baruch, who realized, he knew before, obviously, but this was part of building Avram Avinu, 
it's causing Avram more pain to not have guests than it is to have guests. Avram showed by sitting at the entrance of his tent with on this weakest state that he was in the third day after a surgery, third day after a procedure is the most difficult day in the recovery period. And Avram Avinu was showing that he prefers still to have, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends him these angels to, to venture outside and, uh, and come to his tent. Okay. Let's, t- let's take this Rashi apart. Avram was looking for over Vishov, those who are passing by and coming back. What does it mean over Vishov? So the Sadi Ger Rebbe says, beautiful, he says that you, what happens is very often in order to do Hachnasas Archim, in order to do Chesed, and we'll see the difference between Chesed and Hachnasas Archim, there is a difference, and I'll show you how we know that. But in order to be involved in this, you need to be observant. In what way? Says the Sadiqar Rebbe, most people when they're in need, what they do is, they walk by, and then they walk back. And then they walk by, and like, you ever just, like, you're trying to wait for somebody and get their attention? It's like you're staying nearby, you get a little closer, and they're still, they don't realize you just take a step back, you know what I mean? There you go for it's like a little dance, but what is it? You like go, you come, you're waiting for the purpose to notice that you're there, but you don't want to like be rude and interrupt. But like, hello, like I do exist, right? So the Sadiqar Rebbe says that Avram Avinu, his type of Achnasas Archim, wasn't just like oh anybody uh, interested in in a meal. He wasn't. He would even those who weren't asking over Vishav, they'd go back and forth. They'd go, why this guy passed by my house ten minutes ago and now he's going the other direction? I wonder if he's waiting for a hello. I wonder if she needs something here. Says somebody walked, what came by, and I was going back at that. So those, are the type, those types of people, even if they didn't look like they needed anything, would be, uh, would be invited in. So the, um, there's a Misa, there's a story brought down about a grandson of the Rizhina Rebbe, Rabbi Sorol of Rizhina. So he had a grandson who was the, who was the, um, the Buhasha Rebbe. His name was Rabbi Yitzchak of Buhash. He lived in the mid... 1800s lived in the mid 1800s, and is, he had a he had a very 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 open uh, open rebbe people coming through. So there's a there's a story with him that there was a Jew that came to him who looked very wealthy, top to bottom, all put together, classy, brand name, you know, all over it. And he says to the rebbe, he says, listen, he says, rebbe, I get so much mail every day. People needing this, people needing that, asking for donations. The problem is that my neighbor's kids, they get excited whenever there's mail. They get excited, mid 1800s, mail, right? And they, they take my mail. They take my mail, they, you know, they, they, whatever. They, they don't have the, the proper etiquette. Is it okay with the Rebbe if, if I tell people to start sending it to the Rebbe's address? This way the kids won't take your stuff. And I'll come pick it up. Uh, every you know, I'll come. Uh, you know, and you'll, I'll come check, see if there's any mail. Every, you know, Rebbe's like, okay, I'm happy to help. You need it. I'm happy to find. So, um, the a few days go by, no mail comes. There's no mail, and the Rebbetzin, Reb Yitzchok's Rebbetzin, says to says to him, she says, listen, there's some wealthy looking guy sitting day after day in your waiting room. And I say, do you want to go talk to him? He says, no, I'm just waiting to see, you know, if, uh, if, anything, if anything comes. So the Rebbe says, 
he must be hungry. So why don't you offer him lunch? Does want to ask for lunch? Maybe offer him lunch. So, so the Rebbitzin says, "Listen, he's embarrassed. You know, to ask for lunch. Maybe he'll be embarrassed if I offer lunch, right?" So the the Rebbe says that tomorrow when he comes, tell him that his important mail uh, hasn't arrived yet. But in the meantime, here's some lunch. This way, you're telling him you know that he's here for his chash of a mail. You know, it's important mail. But in the meantime, he's, he's, uh, he's going to get lunch. Okay. So uh, this happened day after day. Ultimately, what happened was, this guy didn't have a penny to his name. Poor as a church mouse. He obviously, maybe he used to have money. He was too embarrassed. The Rebbe realized, the Rebbe realized that, you know what, he's trying to find like an opening to eat, eat some lunch without anybody noticing what he really needs. So every day, you know, you get, here and there, once, once every few weeks, maybe a letter arrived and the Rebbe would give it, give it over him. But in the meantime, he got to sit in the Rebbe's study every day and the Rebbe said, we'll bring him a sandwich and, and uh, Shalom all you But that's, that's part of like being over Vashav. Like you need a the back and forth. Like sometimes people aren't going to ask and you need to be a little bit savvy and a little bit uh, aware of, you know, what, what they're doing uh, in that, in that uh, specific moment. So that's the reason why Rashi says, Oiver Vishov, to teach us the added madrega, the added level of Avram Avinu's Hachnos uh, So what Hashem do? We said he took the sun out of the shell. Because there's Baruch who took the sun out of the shell. Fine. When the angels or people who appeared like men are going to walk by Avram Avinu, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We'll, we'll get back to this. When they are coming, so Avram Avinu says to them, "Take a little bit of food. Please come inside. Ve'echa paslechem. Take a, some bread. Ve'sadu lipchem. Eat to your heart's content. Achar ta'avayru. And afterwards you'll leave. And afterwards, uh, afterwards you'll pass. Okay. What does it mean? Afterwards you pass. I saw a beautiful idea, um, which is." I thought I had my notes. I don't have my notes. But there's a beautiful idea. A tzaddik doesn't notice the miracles that are happening for them. You don't notice. So Amravino, Hashem made a miracle. Took the sun out of the shell. It's boiling. He could be like, wow, God. You know, he noticed everything about Hashem. Uh, Amravino notices every last detail. He say, wow, what a shkocha brought this. Hashem, you did this day just for me. Just for me, so I shouldn't have to welcome people in. And I, that's not what he's thinking. Because if he's thinking that, then to him, God's making a miracle specifically for him, and he's not worthy. So what's Avram Vinu thinking? Here's the balance between Ashkach Pratis and like feeling like, you know, maybe Hashem wants something from me. Maybe there's something to, to be learned. But Avram Vinu doesn't notice. So what's happening? So he's standing at the ends of his tent, and he's like, why do I, have, I don't have any guests? Where is everybody? I'm such a great host. Where is everybody? So he starts thinking to himself. They call the Jewish guilt. He starts, <laughs> he starts thinking to himself, and he says, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Avram, maybe this is the problem. You know, when you invite people in, and you give them so much food, and then you make them make a bracha, you bless Hashem, which we'll get to in a moment, how Avram Avinu did this. People aren't coming because, you know those hosts? It's like, they invite you for Shabbos lunch. Maybe I could go once a year because they just schlepzichazai. 
they, they, they don't know how to end. They don't know how to say Shura Malas. You know I mean? They start the meal at 1 o'clock and you're there till 6.30. Like, for lunch. They're like, they, they go, you know, sometimes in Shuli, Davi Min they go from lunch to Shal You know? You, you, you can't leave. You're stuck there. You're just stuck. You know, they just talk and talk. Tommy was thinking to himself, He's like, maybe nobody's coming. Maybe nobody's coming because you're just schlepzig. Right? So, is that? Nobody's like, hey. They don't want to get stuck. They don't want to get caught over there. So, he says, so, so what does he do? As soon as he sees people, he goes, listen. Take some bread. Eat. And then you could go. Don't worry. I'm not going to keep you. See, and you look at the words. It's like he's offering them a doggy bag. You know, from COVID. Nobody's staying at a kiddush. Just go. Take some food. But really what he's saying is he's second guessing himself. He's like, don't worry, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make you stay in my house, you know, the whole time. So what's the message in this? So if you look at this Pasak, here's the message of the Torah. When you do Achnasasarchim, you offer the food, you tell them, eat to your heart's content, you offer whatever they need. The Akhtabarud, you have to learn as Achnasarchim, there's some times where you have to say Shiram Halas. <laughs> right? you, have, you have to know when it's time to bench and it's, it, there's a time to invite and a time to let people go too just because somebody's in your house it doesn't mean you're allowed to, you know, that you're allowed to hold them hostage till, uh, you know, till Tuesday it, you know? so that's uh, uh, when I saw this I was like oh that's great I gotta, you know? that's why I thought it's in my notes but it's not but alright Gishmak Gishmak nonetheless yeah go ahead Yeah, so he's, he draws, he, br- he brings them water, but he, re- he wanted to feed them. He's not going to, yeah. He, he's, he gives them drink right away. But when he comes in, he's all, it's, it's, a, it's referring to a meal. It's referring to a meal. Because you have to stay after Shalashudas and everything. You know what I mean? You have to wait until Shalashudas. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is a yeah right. That's a that's a tough one. You know they say shalashudas. This is just a, a, a nice side thing. But shalashudas is called shalashudas, which means three meals. It's really improper. I remember when I was in Ner Yisrael, there was a person who was very careful about diktuk. See, there's diktuk, and then people who really know diktuk say dikduk. You have to put the emphasis on the right syllable, otherwise it sounds a little funny. Right? You have to put the emphasis on the right syllable. In Hebrew, most of the emphasis is usually going to be at the end of the word, but that's a conversation in itself. So very careful about dikduk. So he, was in, he would insist that we would call it su'udat shlishi. Su'udat shlishi, the third meal. Shalosh su'udos means three meals. Except once I started learning and I came across a beautiful vart, he's actually wrong. In dikduk, he's right. But there's a reason why we call it shalashudas. You know why it's called shalashudas? Because when you eat a Friday night meal, for some reason we all forget to eat on Friday. Mm-hmm. Stuff going on. I don't know. You're at work. You're at this. You're preparing and this. And finally you're like ready for the Shabbos meal. You're like, oh yeah, did I eat today even? Like, what's going on? Right? You sit down. You have a nice meal. Shabbos lunch. All right. Depending on how the kiddush was in shul. But after davening, right? <laughs> after davening, it's like, okay, you know, you're ready to eat. You're ready to eat. Whether it's at shul, whether it's in the house. Come shalashudas. It's like, no thank you. Like, you're lucky if I can stuff in a piece of matzah. Uh, so here's the deal. How do I know if I'm really eating L'Kavit Shabbos? That third meal, if I do my mitzvah, and I stuff in the matzah a little bit, enough, just enough. If I eat that meal, that reflects on all three meals that it was all L'Kavit Shabbos. The first one could have been in honor of my belly. I was hungry. Shabbos morning, also in honor of my belly. 
Shal Shuddha is not, I'm not interested. Right? It's like, this is my Neshama Yaseira, right here. When people say you don't gain weight on Shabbos, I'm like, this is my Neshama Yaseira. This is it, this is it. It comes. You know, this is the extra Neshama that, that we get on Shabbos. So, so, um, we, uh, so, okay, fine. So that's a little thing. Why, that, that's why I heard the Yaseira, why we call it Shal because it reflects upon all three meals. Okay, be it as it may, Avram Avinu is inviting these Archim, these, uh, these guests into his home. And I want to learn the following medrash together. The medrash says, Avram Hayyam Makabo, this is going to make you jump out of your seats. Avram would invite guests over, he'd give them to eat, give them to drink. And Omar Lay, he would say to them, Barich, make a blessing now. You ate, you drink, make a blessing. Omar Lay, Manima, uh, I mean, what do you want us to say? He says, Omar, Baruch Kalalyon Shechalna Mishalai. You say, Thank God that you gave me from your food. Im if they would accept this and make a bracha, so who he sent them off on their way. And if they wouldn't agree to make a bracha, he would say to them, Okay. And basically he would say to them, Alright, so here's the menu, here's the bill. He'd give them a broken down bill of everything they needed to pay. Right? You don't want to make a bracha, pay. And what he'd do is he'd make a calculation. On everything that they drank, everything that they ate, this was your entree, this was your dessert, this is how much bottled water costs in the desert, right? It's like in airports, like its own island. You could charge $9.99 for a 16-ounce bottle of water, whatever. Makes a lot of sense, right? And, and he, he would just give them an exorbitant, like, uh, uh, bill. And they would say to him, Where'd you get this this uh, final uh, number from? Kate said he got uh, he got the lisikum kelu. Where'd you get it from? So Amravina would say, "We'll put it into our terms." So Amravina would say, uh, "Well, you know, you're out in the middle of the desert. You know, you know how much gas for an airplane to fly it from the nearest settlement to Zavin. You know I mean, I got to rent an airplane. I got to pay for gas. I got to hire a pilot, and you know, then I got to uh, build a loading dock. And it's a whole thing just to get your water. To to it, it costs money, and." They would ultimately say, okay, we're going to bench. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I think we'll make a blessing. We'll, we'll, we'll bless HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Okay. So, I mean, this seems like a little, uh, he's holding them hostage over here, right? Like, uh, what's happening? So, I want to preface the answer, beautiful answer, with an essay that I shared. I was looking through my notes. I'm like, where is this essay? So, I, I got this essay from my mother, Zechariah Lebracha, seven years ago, and I shared it, uh, Parshas Vayira, Shabbos morning in the Drusha. Is anybody who was by the Drusha seven years ago? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for being redundant. Yeah. I didn't remember it either. Don't worry. So, <laughs> I was like, there's something. I remember there's a beautiful. My mother sent me this essay. Um, it goes like this I dreamt that I went up to heaven, and an angel was showing me around. We walked side by side inside a large workroom filled with angels. My angel guide stopped in front of the first section and said, this is the receiving room. Here, all petitions to Hashem said in prayer are received. I looked around and it was terribly busy. So many angels sorting out petitions written on countless pieces of papers from the wall, from, from the kotel, from all the graves of tzaddikim, scraps from all over the world. We moved down a long corridor until we reached the second section. And my angel guide then says to me, this is the packaging and delivery section. Here, all the graces and all the blessings that people ask for are processed and delivered to the living people who ask for them. 
I noticed again it was quite busy. There were many angels working long and hard hours at the station since so many blessings had been requested and were being packaged for delivery back to earth. Finally, at the farthest end of the long corridor, we stopped at the door with a very small station. To my great surprise, there was one angel doing nothing, twiddling his thumbs. I said, what's this? And my angel guide says, this is the acknowledgement section. And he seemed embarrassed. I said, how is it that nobody's working here? Angel sighed and said, so sad. After people received the blessings they asked for, very few sent back acknowledgements. I said, well, how does one acknowledge God's blessings? Simple, said the angel, just say, thank you, Hashem. What blessings should they acknowledge? I asked. Well, said the angel, if you have food in the refrigerator right now, clothes on your body, a roof overhead you, and a place to lay down your head, you're richer than 75% of people on planet Earth. If you have some money in your bank account, cash in your wallet, spare change, you're among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. Also, if you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more blessed with the many who will not survive today. If you have never experienced fear in battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, you are ahead of 700 million people in the world. If you can attend shul without fear or harassment of your government, of being arrested, tortured, or death, you are envied by and more blessed than 3 billion people in the world. If you have parents who are alive, you are very rare. If you hold your head up and smile, you're not the norm. You are unique to all those who live in doubt and despair. Okay, I said to the angel, now what? Where do I start? If you can read this message, you just received a double blessing. And that someone, this is what my mother sent to me. That this, is, this was the essay going around. And that if, you, if somebody sent you this message, you just received a double blessing and that somebody was thinking of you as special and they're telling you you're more blessed than two billion people in the world who, guess what, cannot even read. Have a good day. Notice your blessings. And if you want, pass this along to remind everyone else how blessed we all truly are. So this was the, this was the, the essay mother sent. So, so the way, yeah. So that brings back to was thinking like you said though tzaddikim are not supposed to acknowledge the blessing the oh, so they're not noticing that they're special from the miracle okay. you of course acknowledge everything Hashem gave you but Avram wasn't thinking to himself oh I'm so special that you know everything that's, uh, that's happening now and the reason why there's no guess is divine uh, you know Avram was thinking well, what other mitzvah could I do right he's, he's taking a more practical approach to this. So what's happening over here is as follows. We said Avram Avinu is in the desert. These people show up. There's extreme heat. He's doing Achnos And the Medrash is telling us that um, Avram says, make a bracha. And they say, no, I'm not going to make a blessing. They refuse. They absolutely refuse. It's against their religious beliefs to bless God. Yeah? It's against my beliefs. No, I only believe in the sun and the water, whatever it is. Okay. So Ultimately, the Avram holds them hostage. And the Medrash says, usually they said, okay, we'll make a bracha achreinah. So what's happening here? So the, the, this is the question getting back to this. Rabbi friend quotes the Sefer Shem and Hatayv, who says that actually Avram did, wasn't charging the people. 
He wasn't like inviting them and then handing them an item, holding them hostage. It's not what was happening. Rather, Arma Vinu, what he did was, is he was making them notice that there's two types of approaches to life that you're, 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 uh, you're allowed to live with. Either you can live as part of, as being a person who does not appreciate, or you could be a person who does appreciate, does acknowledge. Um, when Avram gave him an itemized bill, what he was showing them was, says the Shem everything they just got. People are like, what's God? What does God have to do with this? And Avram Vina would say, okay, slow down. Your eyes saw the color of my food. The water, do you know what it took to get here? You know what it took the amount of costs and expenses? And Hashem sent it just for you. You were the, you were the one, Siata Dishmaya, divine head, made it that this bottle went into your belly. This food, this piece of meat went just for you. And he broke down and he itemized, like this essay, itemized each kindness that Hashem did for the person in order for them to have that meal. And until then, they're like, oh, we lucked out. No, there happens to be food in the middle of the desert. But Avinu was showing them, itemizing it, and showing them to acknowledge something that they previously took for granted, and they memela benched. Because of that, memela means just due to that. He was, he was teaching them how to bench. He was teaching them how to, how to make a bracha. So it wasn't ultimately, we were just like, okay, it's going to be $8 million. But he was showing them the bill. Look what you just got. And when people notice and people acknowledge and people appreciate, they, they, they realize it's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There, there, there's really nothing else, uh, uh, you know, there's no other power that it, uh, that it comes from. Okay, let's keep going over here. So, the Gemara, the, the Pasuk says that um, Avram is at the entrance of his tent. Next verse. He lifts up his eyes and he sees. There's three men appeared to him to be men, standing in front of him, he runs out to them, and he bows down to the ground. Now notice the storyline here. The storyline here is, that, he's in the middle of talking to God. God appeared to Avram, Avram standing at the entrance of his tent, talking to Hashem, conversation. So we're talking, we're at the entrance, I'm talking to God. Three men come walking by, I'm like, one second, hold up, Lord, yeah, I got, I got some important visitors. That's what, that's what he did. It's fascinating, right? I'm talking to Hashem. And all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, yeah, give me a second. You know, my phone's ringing. My phone's ringing. I got, uh, so says the Gemara, Masech the Shabbos, Tafkuf, Chof, Zayin, 127. The Gemara says, Amr Abidu says, the Torah is teaching us this because Gedola, Chnasas Archim, Mekabolas, Pnei you see, the mitzvah of Achnas Archim is greater than, than being with the Divine Presence. The mitzvah of welcoming guests, okay, which doesn't mean necessarily inviting your best friend, it means inviting people, giving them encouragement, is greater than speaking with the Divine Presence. It's more chashuv. It's more important. If this was more important to Avram Avinu, that means it's more important. Yeah. Good. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about it. It's a great question. So we'll get around to that. He's talking to Hashem, and all of a sudden he says, he says, all of a sudden, hey, fellas, you know, please do me a favor. Please don't pass by. Come in. 
please come into uh, please come into my house. Now the Gemara goes on to say, Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan says, Gedol Achnas Orchem Kehashkomas Beis Medrash. Achnas Orchem is as great as going to learn Torah early in the morning. Okay. Now, what, what does this mean? What does this mean? So here you go. What this means is as follows. Every morning, there is a prayer in the sitter, which is a, um, which says, Elu devarim she'in lam shir. The following things have no measurement. Okay? Hachnosas archim. I'm skipping some, but hachnosas archim. Gemilus chasadim. So on and so forth. Is there a difference between Achras Archim and Gemilas Chasadim? Or is it the same thing? What's Chasad? Kindness. What's Achras Archim? Welcoming, uh, you know, welcoming guests. It's also kindness. But what's the difference between Chasad and Achras Archim? Okay, it seems there's something unique about Achras Archim that's different from standard Chasad. My father asked me this. And I said, I don't know. So he said, neither do I. Um, he said, that's why I'm asking you. But I said, I don't know. So he said, okay, let's ask around and we'll see if we got a good answer. And when my father had a question, he asked anybody. Um, you, you have to be careful if you walk by. They're like, I'm not even Jewish. Like, <laughs> like I don't care. <laughs> you know? He's like, maybe you know. That was like, <laughs> you have to be careful. If he had a question, he was like asking. He was, he was asking. Um, so anyway, so my father was asking this guy, what's the difference in Achnos Archim and Gemilos Gasodim? What's ultimately, like, the, in, the, in a deeper way, what's the difference? So Reb Tzvi Berkowitz, Reb Yaakov Berkowitz's father, um, my father had asked him, and he came back to my father. He showed him a maharal in the Sivas Eilam, Chelak Beis, Perak Dalit. Maral quotes our Gemara that we just said, that we just learned together. And the maharal writes that Achnosas Archim, what is that? It's giving honor to a person and noticing that they are an image of God. Like a person who goes to the Beis Medrash and honors the Torah. So the difference between Chesed and Achnasas Archim is, this is very important to what is Achnasas Archim. Achnasas Archim is not inviting somebody into your house and giving them a snack. It's not inviting somebody else to give, you know, because I'm friends with them. The underlying reason for Achnasas Archim is me showing you that I notice you as a tzelem elokim. I notice you as being in the image of God, like a person who goes to the Beis Medrash. Now what does it mean like a person who goes to the Beis Medrash? Sir Tzvi pointed out that chesed, kindness happens when you feel bad for somebody. You have this need, or whatever, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll do this. Hachnos Archim by Avram Avinu is that he actually... He actually viewed everybody on a pedestal. Any person that existed, he viewed it like he was here and they're on the stage. That's Achnos Asarchim. So what does it do with going, waking up and going to a base medrash? What does it do with anything? When you go to a base medrash, it goes honor to the Torah. Right? I'm honoring the Torah. What's the purpose of Torah? To teach humans how to be humans. Okay? So... To give honor to a human is even greater than giving honor to a Torah. Because the Torah is only here, as we quote all the time from Eliyahu and Avi, right? Turn to Eliyahu, in the Mishnah of Eliyahu and Avi, we quote this all the time. Also, learned this from my father that um, 
Eliyahu Anavi, it's a, it's a bunch of, of uh, teachings of people who had the merit to meet Eliyahu Anavi. And they asked Eliyahu Anavi, why was the world created? Was it created for Torah? Or was it created for Adam? Was it created for humanity? And Eliyahu Anavi responded, the world's here for humanity, and God gave us the Torah to teach humanity how to be humanity. So the Torah is here for our purpose. That's why it's here. It's for us. So if you, if you view everybody to be in the image of Kim, in the image of God, that's also giving honor to the Torah. So when you, that, that, that's the Zinachronos Archim and standard Chesed. Again, Chesed is I feel bad, so I'll, I'll fill in that hole. I'll fill in that need. It's kind of a little mercy coming in. This is, this, Achronos Archim has nothing to do with mercy. It's nothing to do with feeling bad. It's like, I want to honor people. I want to let people know that I, that I respect them as a Tzalem And that's the, the elevated message of this, uh, of this particular, um, this particular mitzvah. Okay. So what does he tell them? He says, Vayoymar, and he says, Adonai. Over here, we're allowed to say it. it's not God's name. Generally, not allowed to say God's name in vain. The Gemara says, if you do, it's actually theft. It's stealing to say God's name. Who are you to take God's name? Are you? So generally, over here, the word Adonai, in its literal form, means my master. So we find sometimes in the Torah, people, as a sign of respect, would use this expression uh, to each other. So Avram says, to them, my masters. If you don't mind, if I find favor in your eyes, do me a favor. Do me a favor. Please don't pass by your servant's house. Take a, please take some water and wash your feet. Okay, so this is beautiful. He's, he, want, he says, I want you in my house, but you're not coming into my house with Avedazar. So you can have Achmas Zorchim, but I'm not bringing your schmutz into my house. So the first thing he tells them is, before you come in, wash your feet. The, he thought they were uh, from Arabic the, you know, uh, descent, even though Yishmael wasn't around, but from the parts of the world where they worshipped the sand. And since they worshipped the sand, they had sand on their feet. And uh, he says, you've got to wash it off. I welcome you into my tent. I'm going to give you everything. You're not, you're not bringing your schmutz into my house. None do with his floors. It had to do... Yeah. It could be, I don't know the direct answer. It could be this was self-understood. Right? By telling somebody, please come over, don't wear your cross necklace in my house. <laughs> yeah, is it understood why? Probably. Yeah, don't bring your cross in. Uh, it doesn't, uh, doesn't belong in my house. Vishonu tachas ha'etz. And we're going to lean underneath the tree. Now Rashi says that Avram Avinu got the water through a messenger. It says he's, he, we're going to see he's, he sent he sent a messenger to to Vayaratz, uh, um, he ran to, to go get the water, and ultimately Hakadosh Baruch Hu sent a mess sent because Amalekito didn't do it himself, and he sent a messenger to help with the water. Now what was he doing? He was going to get the animals, so he can get three tongues to serve them, right? So he sent a messenger to do the water, but because of this little bit of a lack of achnasas archim, by asking a messenger to help him, so in the midbar in the desert, when his later children, when Moshe needed. Uh, when Kla- when Klaisol complained about water and, and uh, water was needed, so Hashem said, I'm not sending the water directly. Like the mud, it's going to come through a rock. It's not going to come straight from heaven or straight from heaven. It's going to come through a rock. That's why Moshe had to ultimately uh, hit the rock. So I'm going to tell you something that will blow your mind. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, it's really, it's fascinating to hear this stuff, which is why I'm sharing it. I don't fully grasp it because there's too many times where, like, I hear stories where, like, if not for that, Mashiach would already be here. 
I'm like, it had to happen like 500 times, if not for that one thing, you know, like, come on, like once, can make it work, right? So, okay, but if Chazal teach us, he teaches, but Barley makes a very poignant idea, brings out a poignant idea, he says, that if, I'll, why ultimately did Moshe not enter Eretz Yisrael? Because he hit the rock. Why do you have to hit the rock? Because Avram sent a messenger, his great, his great, great grandfather, great, great, or great, great, great. Moshe's mother was Yocheved. Yocheved was the daughter of Levi, so Levi was Moshe's grandfather. Yaakov was Levi's father, so Yaakov Avinu was Moshe's great grandfather. Yitzchak was great great grandfather, and Avram was great 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 grandfather. Okay, so it goes: Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Levi, Yocheved, Moshe. All right. Um, yeah. So you're saying that that Abraham's, um, Abraham's mitzvah was not complete. Correct. It was not complete because he, he because he sent a messenger. And notice, says Rabbi Aaron Steinman, if he wouldn't have sent the messenger, Moshe wouldn't have had to hit the rock, and he would have let us into Eretz Yisrael. And the sages all teach us, if Moshe would have let us into Eretz Yisrael, there never would have been a korban, never would have been a destruction, and that would have led to a whole different picture. I'm not sure in a good way or not a good way. I'm not sure. Because we know ultimately it's Hashem's kindness that He destroyed the temple instead of us. He took it out on bricks and stones instead of Kal Yisrael. If it wouldn't have been able to be destroyed, what would have happened? Maybe in a good way, maybe not. I don't know. It's just uh, history completely changed because of this uh, small idea from from uh, Avram Avinu. But the, the, here, here's a question. I'll get to and I'll, I'll get to it, uh, in a moment. So um, my father, Zechariah the would quote Rav Pam, who says that who did Avram send to get the water? Yishmael. This kid. He sent this kid. What's the problem? He's teaching his kid how to do Achnal Sarchem. So if Pam would say, you see from here that a parent has to know when their chinuch is to ask a child to do something or when, a, or when chinuch is for a child to observe the parent. Not every time you tell your kid to do something are you necessarily doing chinuch. The greatest chinuch for us in general when it comes to parent children right, is when we see somebody else just doing the right thing we learn to do it too we learn to do it too um, my mother um, I'm to quote my parents a lot today even though it wasn't planned but uh, my mother would, would tell me to never judge your kids by how they treat you judge your kids by how they treat others outside your house it's true it's very true yeah? it doesn't make it right for them <laughs> it doesn't make it right but um, you know and, and people would be she's like she's like I'm telling you she's like I think my kids are fine she's like I don't know Menachem goes to his friend's house and the you know and uh, Shlaimi's mother's like, he's telling me that you helped out and you took out the garbage you never do that in our house <laughs> but you know and you're offering to help you know yeah, that's how it is. That's like Gaitas. That's how it is. But why? how do you learn to observe? Because you see your own parents doing that. You see your own siblings. You see your own... You learn. That's the right thing to do. So you do it. In your own house, okay, you're a little lazy. You take advantage of other people doing that. Whatever it is. But the message here says, Rafam, is that even though Avram Vinu sent Yishmol, in a, in a sense, it was a little bit lacking still. It was still a little bit lacking because the greater chinuch for Yishmol would have been for Avram Vinu to do it himself. Yeah. Wasn't this after the third day of the... The yes, this is all on the third day. There's a lot of pain and discomfort, right? Yep. Yep. <coughs> to, to your point. To my point. <laughs> that he, was he wasn't well. 
And he wasn't well, yeah. Yeah, and Hashem is the one who wanted him to do this. Yep. That was but his... He was the one that asked for a guest. That was his Nisayan. That was his Nisayan. Do it, yeah. Yeah. So real quickly, so my mom's a clinical psychologist. She said part of that is them knowing that you love them unconditionally. Yeah. But the, the issue is that they take advantage of it. Well, right. Yeah. So that's on the flip side. And the flip side is it's not nice to take advantage of other people's love. But that's exactly why my kids will be will have chutzpah to me exactly. and they'll have chutzpah to uh, a teacher that they know but if they meet a new person they're not going to you know, who are you get out of my face uh, yeah. if you know if they know if they, you know, that, which actually is, is a, something to keep in mind that sometimes when people um, are rude so if they're just rude they're rude but sometimes if people you have a relationship with are being rude sometimes you could take it as a way of they actually do feel close to me if they're close enough to be a little rude Right? That means they do feel we have a relationship over here. Again, doesn't excuse it, but it's something to keep in mind. You know, it's something interesting idea. Yeah, all right, we'll hold it here. And any, uh, any thoughts or...